What's going on and welcome into another game day edition of the Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek. I'm Daniel Salerson. The Pelicans welcome in the Charlotte Hornets tonight for the first time this season. It's the first meeting between these two teams. The Pelicans looking to snap their three-game losing streak after a tough one on Wednesday night. TV Orlando Magic. Our special guest today is Mike Pina, who is, covers the NBA for Sports Illustrated. About a week ago, he wrote an article about why the Zionless Pelicans have reason to be optimistic. And I still think that is the case. Unfortunately, with a three-game losing streak, it's kind of put a damper on that with the injury to Brandon Ingram. But when he wrote the article, the Pelicans are writing that three-game winning streak turned into four that night against Utah Jazz. Michael, I appreciate the time. How are you? I'm doing great, Daniel. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on. And kind of let's talk about the article a little bit. I know it was written last week, but kind of what led you to write the article about the Pelicans, um, especially with the way they were playing? Yeah, so I mean, I, I cover the entire NBA, and sometimes you know you'll you'll be just scrolling through League Pass, looking at all these different teams, and you try to find um, angles, storylines, trends that uh, the rest of all the wonderful writers and thinkers around the NBA just haven't really picked up on. And you know, I was watching a, a few. I was intrigued watching the Pelicans because. Um, you know, I noticed that they put Jackson Hayes in the starting five. And so I was initially just attracted to see how, um, how him and, and Jonas Valanciunas uh, would, would pair together, how that was kind of working out. And then you dig into the numbers a little bit and you see, okay, it's working out offensively so far, a little bit of a struggle defensively, but Jackson is so athletic and, and fascinating of a figure that um, what is the upside here? And uh, then there's obviously the Zion Williamson news about him potentially uh, ramping up, getting back as a positive uh, medical update um, from the Pelicans. And so I figured it was just a good time to, to kind of hit this team and talk about where they are uh, in the standings and, and just uh, really try to process and analyze how well they've played over the past, you know, up until I jinxed them with the story um, <laughs> over the past uh, month or so. When uh, you saw the C.J. McCollum trade at the trade deadline, what were your initial thoughts on how that might work for the Pelicans uh, and what they're trying to do here? I've always been a huge fan of C.J. Um, talked to him for a story at the beginning of last season, right before he hurt his foot, um, about how you know he's he's known as this um, uh, just this mid-range assassin, someone who really lives in between the the three-point arc and the restricted area. And last season, he kind of finally uh, stepped out a little bit and extended his range. The pull-up threes were starting to fall for him. He was starting to take a lot more. Um, so that trend has continued basically since then. And you're seeing it right, right now in New Orleans. Uh, he's just been uh, incredible. He's a firecracker. Uh, he's one of them. He's probably the best player. Um, the best veteran for sure, who has not made an all-star team uh, in the NBA. That's just, it, it's a shame that he hasn't. He's definitely, um, he has that type of talent offensively for sure. And I thought it was a really smart addition, a savvy addition by the Pelicans. Uh, I saw some criticism because of his age and his contract. And I don't really care about stuff like that kind of to be honest with you at the end of the day when you when you when you acquire a talent like that and you have the aspirations and the goals that uh, clearly New Orleans has over the next few years 
I just thought it was a really smart, um, smart trade for them. You know, you, you're giving up a little bit to get him for sure in some really um, intriguing young talent, but CJ's proven and you get him in a play in game or, you know, game six, game seven of a playoff series and he can just take over. He's that type of talent. So I really thought it was a, it was a, a smart, wise um, uh, addition by the New Orleans Pelicans. Obviously, we don't know how he fits with Zion Williamson, but we are starting to see how he fits with Brandon Ingram until Brandon got injured. But once they started figuring things out, I mean, you wrote that article during what led to be a four-game winning streak. And not only were they winning those four games, they were winning them in emphatic fashion by 15 points or more. How does McCollum, and we'll just keep it with B.I. eventually when he gets back from the hamstring injury, how he fits with this young team, with a guy like Herbert Jones, with what you saw with Jackson and Jonas in that starting five, how does he kind of fit with this young team and, and trying to get into the playoffs? Yeah, I think that uh, he's a fantastic fit. I mean, he's one of the – he's a type of player who uh, – independent shot creator, uh, prototypical combo guard, um, is able to get others involved and – you know, Ingram and CJ McCollum, I think are a, a really intriguing fit offensively just because um, they can both space for sure. Um, they can both run um, second side or, or primary pick and rolls uh, uh, without difficulty. And they're both so comfortable um, in the mid range, getting contested, really difficult shots off and, uh, in the regular season, I think that that's, that's valuable for sure. But when, as we've seen over the past couple of years in the playoffs, um, that skill is incredibly important uh, against defenses that uh, would like you to take those shots. So if you can make them efficiently and be accurate enough with those, it opens up a lot of other things for the offense and it'll be really interesting to see just how teams have to deal with both of them at the same time. And then you can also stagger both of them and have one of them on the floor at all times and really put the pressure on a defense. So I think that they're, they're very complimentary and uh, one of the more intriguing um, and dangerous one, two punches offensively in the Western conference right now. Obviously, the goal is, again, to the play-in and then go from there. This team is sitting, as we talk right now, in 10th uh, with a game-and-a-half lead over the Trailblazers, still chasing the Lakers, even with the Brandon Ingram news. And I know this Pelican schedule, Charlotte tonight, you have Houston on Sunday and a tough one against Phoenix. The schedule is a little easier heading down the stretch. You may be able to survive a little bit with B.I., but where do you think the Pelicans stand as far as their play-in push, even with Ingram out for at least another week? Yeah, so they have, I think, two more games against the Lakers, I want to say. Yes. Um, and so those will obviously be important games the Lakers are cratering. Um, you know, if you can get the nine seed, that would be wonderful. And, you know, you can play the Lakers, presumably are going to be the 10 seed, um, play them in New Orleans, win that game, play a uh, loser of probably Clippers, Timberwolves. And uh, basically, like I, like I was saying earlier, when you have a healthy CJ McCollum and a healthy Brandon Ingram in a one game format like that, uh, it's tough to bet against those guys just because, you know, I, I just always think about the game seven that CJ had in Denver a few years ago. Um, he's just, it's unguardable when you have, when he has it going. 
So if he were to get hot, he can totally take over. Brandon Ingram, same thing. Uh, they have so much size and have really punished teams on the offensive glass. Uh, Herb Jones is a fascinating rookie. He'll probably be, he'll not probably, he should definitely make um, one of the all rookie teams. Uh, and he'll, he's like already contending for an all defensive team spot, which is remarkable. Um, so I, I just like how they're built. I think in uh, a one game format, two game format, um, they could for sure get into the actual playoffs. And I think they're a little bit of ways away from, uh, from pushing some of the best teams in the conference, but it's been a step in the right direction for them. Absolutely. Well, let's talk about those Lakers. I mean, obviously what happened on Wednesday against the Houston Rockets and what they've uh, kind of done, not even post all-star break, but even before what, what is going on with them? I'm just going to flat out ask you like that. I mean, what have you been observing as far as their downfall and why they're in this position right now? Well, I mean, first and foremost, obviously not having Anthony Davis is tough. Like he's supposed to be your best player. I know he's not their best player this season. He's been a little bit disappointing, um, but he should be your best player. And when you don't have him on the floor and active, you're not going to be as good as you can be. And then from there, it's just like, the, I mean, where to begin? The, the <laughs> roster was constructed from day one of training camp for them. I thought it was just a horrendous job in trying to compliment LeBron and Anthony Davis. You bring in Russell Westbrook, who I thought he was a terrible fit when they made the trade for him and they gave up all these pieces who make sense and are able to accentuate LeBron and Anthony Davis. So you bring this guy in who does not make sense, who does not accentuate them. And he's been even worse than I thought he would be, which is really, really saying something. And now it's just, you know, it's bleeding into off-court stuff with um, him battling the fans. And that's just never fun for anyone involved. So, you know, I keep saying that, you know, after every loss, this must be rock bottom for the Lakers. But last night was, or I should say Wednesday night was, truly rock bottom in how they lost to the Houston Rockets. I, I don't I, like, I can't recall honestly a team going into overtime and just overtime being over in like 45 seconds. Like, <laughs> it was just a wrap. Um, so, and the Houston rock, obviously the Houston Rockets are not a good basketball team either by any stretch and they just took it to them. Uh, so, you know, there's not a lot of answers right now for the Lakers uh, last uh, uh, against the, the Rockets you know, they played this lineup that was LeBron, Mello, um, Westbrook, DJ Augustine, and uh, Avery Bradley. And you're just like, okay, like that's small balls fine, but you know, that's just way too extreme. I don't know what the, and what the goal is here, what you're trying to accomplish with a lineup like that. Of course it was destroyed immediately. And Frank Vogel had to make some substitutions, but, but this team has no uh, fundamental identity. I, I said at the top that Anthony Davis was, uh, you know, a very critical player, even when he's back, they're just not very good. They haven't been good with him on the floor all season. So, you know, this season's been a total disaster. Uh, if they make the plan, which they, they should make the plan. Um, the Portland trailblazers aren't trying to win basketball games right now. So if they, if, if they make the plan, I, I still would not pick them even if all help 
healthy to beat a team like the Pelicans. And um, yeah, it's just been a nightmare, terrible, atrocious season for the Lakers. A couple more questions regarding the Western Conference, and I'll let you go. I kind of want to go kind of that play in and up when you're talking about teams like Timberwolves at seven, Clippers eight, the Nuggets right now at six, uh, Dallas five. Out of those four or five teams kind of clumped in there, is there one that you're kind of having your eye on as a team that maybe could, I wouldn't say make a deep, deep run, but can maybe scare some teams in a first-round matchup? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you're including Dallas, uh, Dallas is uh, – they're looking very good right now. I would not want to play them in a first-round series. I would not want to play them in the second round. Um, Luca is just kind of elbowing his way into the MVP conversation. He has no chance of winning MVP, but he is as good as any player in the entire league and has been for a little over a month now. It's about six weeks. Um, you know, the Clippers are really interesting just because, uh, you see Kawhi Leonard warming up before games. Now, if he were to come back and look like the player who we saw in the playoffs last season, then it's a total, I mean, the whole league just gets upended. If that happens, I don't think that's going to happen, but you never know with him. Uh, Minnesota has been, uh, I think the, they have the second best net rating in the NBA since February 1st, and they're on a little bit of a hot streak right now themselves. They're fascinating to me uh, when healthy and they can get Anthony Edwards right. And Carl Towns is having an all NBA-esque season. He should make all NBA, I think. So all those teams are wonderful. I don't know if you said Denver. Uh, I would not want to play Denver at all. Um, they have the best player in the world. Uh, who knows when Jamal Murray is coming back? It looks like Michael Porter Jr. is going to come back pretty soon. And I don't know if it's this year or next year, but that team feels just primed for a very, very deep playoff run. Uh, the West is is competitive. It's tough down there, um, even in the back half of the standings, for sure. Let's go to the top then. As we uh, about 16, 15 games ago for most teams, you're looking at Phoenix just kind of running away, getting wins no matter if Booker's out there, no matter if Chris Paul's out there. And then you're looking at the Golden State Warriors who are having a tough time right now without Draymond Green. And then the Pelicans uh, ran into the buzzsaw, the Memphis Grizzlies, who are mm -hmm. one of the hottest teams as well. Are those three teams, I mean, are, are those the three to watch out for as far as the playoffs? I mean, where do those three stack up as far as against each other as, as representing the West in, in the NBA Finals? Yeah, I, you know, I think Phoenix has just found whatever it is that uh, – you need to win the championship. Like it's just, it's you plug in whoever and they just keep rolling. So they're very impressive. They're, they're very um, disciplined on both ends. even without Chris Paul, as you said, uh, you know, they, they go in and they beat the Miami heat, the best team in the Eastern conference in convincing fashion on Wednesday and Wednesday night. Um, like I would be kind of surprised if they didn't, um, come out of the West this year, to be honest, if they're assuming Chris Paul is, is 100% healthy. Uh, the Warriors have an obvious question mark with Draymond Green. If Draymond Green is healthy, um, then they're a contender. If he's not healthy, they're not a contender. I, I hate to be that reductive, but that's just the reality of the situation for them. Steph is great. Clay is kind of coming along. Um, Jordan Poole has been really impressive. They have a bunch of uh, intriguing young talent, but at the end of the day, if Draymond is not a defensive player of the year looking guy, then they're just, they're, they're, I don't think they really have a chance um, against some of the other teams that we we've already talked about. Um, the Memphis Grizzlies real quick are, uh, 
it's really interesting with them because they're the fourth youngest team in the league. They have an MVP candidate in John Morant. Um, they were eliminated in the first round last year. And you typically teams don't go from first round elimination where you only win one game to going to the finals. I also don't foresee that for, for this group because of how they play. I think they're more suited to racking up wins in the regular season than actually competing um, in a seven game series and having a lot of success because of how they're built and, and their style and just, you know, they want to score a lot in transition. They don't have a lot of three-point shooting. That stuff really matters in the playoffs. So I think they're actually a little bit further away from making a deep run than um, some of these other teams. But if they do get the, you know, the Timberwolves in round one or a Clippers team that does not have Kawhi, and PG in round one, and they win that matchup, they could be very dangerous going forward from there if they get a little bit more confidence in themselves. So it's it's tough all around, um, top to bottom, a lot of questions that'll kind of resolve themselves over the next few weeks, but it's going to be a really fun um, playoffs in the Western Conference for sure. Should be a lot of fun, absolutely, in these final month of the regular season. That's Michael Pina, who covers the NBA, NBA staff writer for Sports Illustrated at SI Now. You can follow him on Twitter at Michael V. Pina. And again, wrote that article about a week ago on the Pelicans. Check that out. Plenty of articles after that. Of course, the John Morant one's been the big one. Really nice job with that as well as uh, it should be a fun stretch here. Michael, I really appreciate the time. Hopefully we can have you back on before the playoffs begin. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Good stuff there from Michael. The Pelicans look to bounce back from a tough loss to Orlando Magic tonight inside the Smoothie King Center. Game number two of a four-game homestand as they welcome in the Charlotte Hornets. Again, we're heading March 11th now, and these two teams have not met this season. They'll meet twice in the next 10 days, so we'll get to see what the Hornets are looking like as they're trying to stay in the play-in hunt. They're right now tied for the Hawks for the ninth spot in the Eastern Conference, and so they have plenty to play for leading into tonight's game. And the Pelicans will take on the Houston Rockets, who, as Michael mentioned, took down the Lakers on Wednesday night in overtime. And then those Phoenix Suns that Michael talked about as well come into town on Tuesday, especially after what happened first game after the All-Star break. The Pelicans, uh, the Suns, I should say, are looking for a little bit of revenge. But a big homestand. Hopefully you could attend, if not one, all of those three games. And, of course, we'll have you covered on Valley Sports New Orleans or ESPN New Orleans 100.3 FM. We'll have three more podcasts for you next week. But a great start to the week, a great end to the week as far as podcasts, and hopefully the Pelicans can end the week on a winning note. Tickets are still available for tonight's game, 504-525-HOOP, or visit pelicans.com. Again, big thanks to Michael. Hope to see you all out at the Smoothie King Center over the weekend. And until Monday, I'm Daniel Salerson. Thanks for listening to the Pelicans podcast presented by CEO.